to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 17 this morning. It's amazing how one verse in the Bible can hold so much doctrine, so much truth in it. And um, and we're going to be looking at that this morning. So we're going to stay for the bulk here just looking at this one verse. And uh, this morning I want to uh, to to preach you a message here about becoming a new creature in Christ. And if you go there to 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's our memory verse this month. It says here, Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, This is probably one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. And it's also a verse that is a conditional promise to us. And we're going to look at that more here in just a little bit. But before we dive right in, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, ask for his blessings on the message. Father. We do thank you so much again, Lord, for your grace. Lord, we do thank you for uh, salvation that uh, you purchased uh, with your blood on our behalf. Lord, that you offer freely to all that would uh, call upon you. And I do thank you so much that, uh, Lord, that you were patient with me, long-suffering for 17 years in my life, that uh, I came to a place where I realized I needed you. Lord, that day you made me a new creature. Lord, that uh, this morning we'll be encouraged at uh, just what you have created in each one of us. And Father, we do thank you so much again for your grace. And we pray, Lord, for someone here that does not know if they're saved this morning, that they would get that settled today. Father, we do thank you so much again for everything you've given to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 is is also a verse that reveals the transformation that happens when a person becomes a born-again child of God. Uh, Something happens or something changes within us. And um, and so so what does transformation actually mean? You know, we're talking about that. That's our our theme for this month is the transformation of salvation and, uh, you know, things that happen in in the life of a a new believer. And uh, so what is a transformation? Well, to transform something, you have to take what is there already and change it into a completely different thing. Now, growing up, when I was uh, a child, you know, the biggest thing that was on the market at that time, back out in the, the 80s, was the new Transformers. You guys remember those? You know, it was, uh, you know, you had it into like a little truck or a car and they transformed into a robot, you know. And uh, so it was, it was something that was one thing at one time, but then it transformed into something completely different. And uh, and so um, I remember seeing that when I was growing up. I was never I never never really was a big fan of Transformers for some reason, but um, I just, that's just I re- always remember that growing up. And and uh, and when I look at this verse, I see that there's a an old thing and then a new thing. And um, and so we're going to focus on that this morning. Um, in nature, God actually reveals this process. We see this through the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. In Romans 1.20, it says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Scientists even today are still baffled about the, the, the process and the change that happens uh, in, in the, when the, the, butterf- or the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Now, they've been able to, to now do some different scans and things like that, but they're still baffled about just exactly what happens in that cocoon. And um, you see, the butterfly originates as a caterpillar. In this larva stage, it constantly eats and eats and eats and... Uh, uh, until a point where it gets, after a certain time period, it creates the cocoon around itself. And it's during this chrysalis stage that the caterpillar literally dissolves 
and in this process changes into a butterfly. Now, the DNA between the two are actually different. When a caterpillar in that stage actually has different DNA than the DNA of a butterfly. Even if a caterpillar loses an antenna or a leg before the, the cocoon stage, it doesn't affect how the butterfly will, will be. Uh, whatever happens to that caterpillar, it doesn't change anything. The DNA programs the butterfly to have six legs regardless of what happened to the caterpillar's twelve. I could lose a leg and it doesn't matter how it's going to affect it becoming a butterfly. Because in that crystallis stage, it literally it changes it into a butterfly and it has the DNA programming to have the two antenna, the uh, you know, the, the, the six legs, the wings, all that thing. It's completely different. And uh, and once that change is complete, the new butterfly emerges out of the cocoon completely different than what it was as a caterpillar. It's really amazing if you actually look into uh, how this, this process goes. Uh, scientists have, have, have theories, you know, some think that the caterpillar actually dies in the cocoon and it emerges as the, a, a butterfly. And uh, there's, there's a lot of crazy different uh, theories out there, but they've not been able to prove what it is. And, uh, and as I was looking at this, I said, you know what, to me, it's like Romans 1.20. God is, is showing something in creation that is an illustration of this verse. Whereas before, you and I, were, we, we were these old, uh, an old creation. But the moment of salvation happens, we become a new creature. In God's eyes, we're no longer the old thing, but we're now a new creation. Uh, so how can the change of a butterfly that goes through apply to you and I? You know, yeah, it's a nice little insect and it's a really pretty, you know, we see in our flowers and things like that. I'm talking about the butterfly, not the caterpillar. Um, but um, there are a couple of comparisons that, I mean, I, I could really dive in more deeper, but I just want to look at a couple real quickly. Uh, first of all, uh, between these two, uh, they eat different food. The caterpillar, it all it eats and consumes is solid food. It eats the plants, it eats the leaves, uh, things like that. But when it becomes the butterfly, it no longer eats solid food. It only eats liquid food or the nectar from the flowers. So their digestive system is completely different. Um, and so how does, how does that apply to you and I? Well, our old nature thrived on what the world offered and the sin that enticed you and I too. But now, as a new creature, there is a new part of you that needs to be fed. That's your spiritual side. This is where the Word of God comes in. You see, this butterfly can't eat the things of the old and expect to continue to live and to thrive and to be strong. As a Christian, we can't continue to thrive on the things of our old life. The, the sin, the pleasure that we, that we have. We now need to feast and to, and to, to, to grow strong on the, the Word of God and, and, uh, and, and the teachings of the Word of God. That's why 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. This is, this is milk for the most part. Yes, there are some things in here that are meat, that are hard to understand. Uh, but for the most part, uh, this, is, this is how we grow. This is how we um, uh, have a... a, a a greater knowledge of, of the Lord and our, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, this is how we get stronger as a believer. Now, um, not only with it, just with food, but also the purpose. In the caterpillar stage, the caterpillar, its main focus, its main purpose of all it does is to consume and eat food and self-preservation, to live as long as it can to be able to get into the, the cocoon stage. Now, when it's a butterfly, the butterfly it is now uh, in its adult stage. It is during this stage that the butterfly procreates to produce more butterflies. And the butterfly also helps pollinate flowers. So how does that apply to you and I? Well, before salvation, our sole purpose in life was to please ourselves. And we normally only looked out for our own needs. We consumed everything the world offered us to please ourselves, both good and bad. And so we were focused on ourselves entirely. 
But once we've accepted Christ, we should no longer just be takers, but also givers and help those around us. And just like the butterfly, you know, this is now at stage where it's supposed to procreate. Our desire should be to tell others about Jesus Christ and fulfill the last command that Christ gave to his disciples. Uh, we should now want to tell others about Christ. We should want to, uh, to be able to, um, to tell them the truth of, of how they can have forgiveness of their sins. And uh, we should be able to, to have that desire in our heart. Um, but this morning, we're going to look at some of the new things that take place in the life of a Christian. And the first thing that we're going to look at here is when does this transformation take place? When does it happen? Um, well, if you look here, it says here, um, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when does this transformation take place? First of all, it's when a person repents of their sin and trusts Christ alone as their Savior. That is when they become a new creature. See, Paul writes, uh, therefore, if any man be uh, showing that it is a choice that each person makes, no one can force someone to get saved. It is a decision from a, uh, an individual person's heart. So here he's offering a choice. This is what I meant by it was a conditional promise. So God says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, if you make that choice and you want to be at that new creature, you want to have that uh, the new things that we're going to be looking at this, this morning, you have to make that choice saying, you know what, I want that. I want Christ. I want to be a born-again Christian. I want to, to uh, have my sins forgiven. And when we make that decision, we receive Christ as our Savior, it says, uh, then He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, this creature is instant from the moment you trust Christ. Unlike a caterpillar's chrysalis stage that can take weeks to months to finish. I'm glad that this new creature uh, part of me doesn't have to take a long time in order to, uh, to be. That when the moment that I trusted Christ as my Savior, that very instant, God now saw me as a new creature, a new creation. And uh, I didn't have to go through weeks of doctrinal classes and, and uh, you know, teaching of the Bible and teaching of discipleship in order to be accepted then of being a new creature. In God's eyes, the moment I trusted Christ, that is when I became a new creature. And, uh, and that's when you became a new creature as well. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, you may look the same on the outside. But God now forever sees you as a new creature. See, there's a change that happens within you. Your spirit is no longer dead, <coughs> excuse me, but is quickened by the Holy Spirit, and God now dwells within you. And that is instantaneous when you trust Christ as your Savior. All the baggage that you carried from the guilt of your sin has been removed and forgiven. No longer do you have to dwell upon the mistakes and sins of your past. There may still be consequences from the sins of your past, but sin no longer has power over you. And God says that all things are become new. And uh, I, we could be here um, you know, for hours upon hours looking at the different things that, that God creates new in our life when, when we trust Christ as our Savior. Uh, but for the sake of time, I've only got three this morning. <laughs> but uh, it is amazing because God says all things become new. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like when you, when you trust Christ as your Savior, it, it's like uh, scales get pulled off your eyes and you see life for what it really is now. And it, you have a whole new vision, a whole new uh, perspective of life. And, um, and, that's, and that's what happens. But specifically, I want to look at three things this morning. First of all, God gives you a new heart. Uh, turn with me if you would. Keep your place here, but turn with me to a, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter thirty-six. Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, verses twenty-six and twenty-seven. Now we've been learning Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. 
Ezekiel writes here, this, uh, this is God speaking, it says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse number 27 says, And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Now, when Ezekiel was writing these things, he probably was probably a little bit baffled by how 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 was God going to put his his spirit within us, and and how is he going to give us a new heart and things like that? Because uh, he's he he could see a, a little bit about what God was saying, but he didn't really comprehend it completely. Um, but the heart that God is talking about is not the physical muscle that's in your chest. It's not like, you know, God reaches in your chest and pulls out your, your beating heart and then He gives you and swaps you for a new heart. Uh, he's not talking about the physical heart that's, that's beating in your chest. But the new heart that He is talking about uh, is a soft heart towards God. See, there's quite the difference between stone and flesh. Uh, flesh is softer. Uh, stone is hard, brittle. Um, not easily broken. Sin causes our heart to get as hard as a rock. It hardens us against the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and when we are apathetic, and 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 then we are apathetic towards the things of God. Um, so all of our life, we are you know the sins that we commit and things like that. It hardens our heart against God, um, and so. The longer that we live in this world, it's sometimes the harder for God to uh, to reach us because um, the sins of our of our life it hardens our our heart and uh, and makes us you know to not really sensitive to the promptings and the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we need to be saved that we need to have our sins forgiven and um, that hard heart is a reason why many people will not believe. They will not trust Christ as their Savior because they don't think that they need Him. They don't realize that their heart has been hardened. Um, but beware though. For even after you get saved, you can still harden your heart just as hard as it was before you were saved. If not, even harder. The more that you choose sin and disobedience to God and do not repent of it, the harder your heart will grow. It will cause the zeal you once had when you first trusted Christ to become apathy and carelessness about the things of God. Um, you know, there's nothing more exciting than when uh, a person first gets saved because they have, it's like, it's like again, the, their eyes have been, have been opened, you know, of a new life around them and, and they're seeing things uh, for the first time. And they're excited, they're, they're, they're eager, they're full of zeal, they, uh, they want to know more about God. They want to read the, the, the Bible. They want to go to church. They want to learn as much as they can. Um, but then sadly, after a while, you know, we kind of get used to this thing called Christianity. You know, we get used to, oh yeah, i got to come to church on Sunday. And, oh well, maybe I'll come to church on Sunday if i got nothing else better to do that day. Um, and then pretty soon, church and spending time with God, reading our Bible, spending time in prayer... They, they start to, to, to wane in our eyes and become less important. And the things that we want to do, they become elevated. And pretty soon we begin to harden our heart against the things of God. Um, and it's very easy for a Christian to do. It happens all the time. But when God gives us this new heart, this new heart comes with new desires. There should be a new desire in your heart to hear and read the Word of God. To come to church and have fellowship with other believers and a desire to be a blessing to someone else instead of always being a taker. There should be something different when you trust Christ as your Savior. You should have a different desire, a, even a, a different um, uh, just a, a mentality in, in, your, in your heart. Um, and I ask you this morning, is, has your heart hardened? Is your heart still as soft as when you first got saved? Or have you kind of become a little bit complacent in your walk with God and, and, um, you know, and, and, and maybe you just needed to, to spend some time alone with Him again and, and just 
turn back and say, Lord, have I gotten careless? Have I, have I hardened my heart? Have I strayed away from when that fellowship was so sweet? It's easy, it's easy to do for a Christian to walk, to, to start walking away from God. To allow our desires and our, our interests to supersede, um, what the Lord wants in our life. Now, not only does God give you a new heart, uh, but He also gives you a new mind. And for some of us, they're actually quite thankful for that. <laughs> because before we were saved, our minds were filled with vanity and worldly things. But now, we're supposed to think after godly and good things. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. <clears throat> this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So here, Paul is commanding uh, these Ephesian, uh, these Christians of, of Ephesus to not, we're not supposed to think like we, the Gentiles around us. We're not, we're not supposed to think like the world uh, we're supposed to think differently because their heart, their minds are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And it's a blindness that the, the God of this world, Satan, has put in their heart. Um, so we're supposed to, to walk not like as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Um, we can go on and on about that or, or what that vanity is different things that happen in people's life and that's that's all they care for. But look out, look at verse number 22 as well. <coughs> it says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. This is talk about that old ways in in 2 Corinthians 5:17. All uh this this is the old stuff that we're supposed to get rid of. Said verse twenty three says, "And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you uh, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." So we're supposed to put on a different mindset. We're supposed to have a different mind about us. Not we're not supposed to have the same mind that we had uh, going through this world and 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 uh, to the point that we before we got saved. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Uh, a couple books back to the left. Romans chapter 8. See, our, our minds at one, at one time was against God. Romans chapter 8, verse number 7. Actually, jump up to verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The things that you think about, the, some of the worldly stuff, that the sins of your past, it's not good to dwell on them. You know, each one of us, those who have been saved, we all have a testimony. And, uh, and God has delivered some of us from some, some pretty deep pits. Uh, deep... Um, 
You know, places that if people knew the lifestyle that you lived, you'd be ashamed. And you, and you don't want people to know that. Um, and so, when you and I, when we give our, our testimony and things like that, don't dwell on those things. Yeah, you know, we, we don't want to honor what we used to be. Honor what God has now made you to be. Um, you know, we don't have to highlight, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And, and, uh, and so sometimes we, we, we kind of puff ourselves up that, you know, of what our old life used to be. No, we need to now focus on saying, well, that's what I used to be, but this is what I am now. And, um, and so don't think about those things. Because the more that you think about the sins of your past, the more that you, you think about, oh man, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I remember watching that, or I remember listening to that, or I remember, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it was that you knew was not right, you're going to start thinking about it. And the more that you think about it, you're going to start doing it. And it's going to bring you right back down into captivity uh, and the bondage that you had before uh, you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, uh, our minds are like supercomputers. Uh, they store everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard, everything that we've smelt, everything that we've touched, and everything that we've tasted. Everything that enables any of your five senses gets recorded in your mind. Every song that you listened to, every picture that you saw, every movie you watched, everything. I can still remember to this day some of the books that my mother read to me as a child. I can still remember the pictures in them. I can still remember the story. Um, I can remember uh, you know, different events in my life. I can remember some of uh, the things that I, I, maybe I looked at and I listened to that I shouldn't have. I still have those memories. And, uh, and they've become scars because I really wish they'd get on my mind and, and we're going to look at that here in just a second. But everything that you look at, you listen to, is recorded in your memory. And that's why, you know, you can be saved for uh, 40, 50 years. All of a sudden, on the radio, you hear a song and it brings you back to, you know, before you were saved. And, and instantly, you know exactly all the lyrics. You know the tune and, you know, and, and sometimes you don't even realize it and you start tapping your toe, you know. And, and, uh, and you don't realize it. But... It's, it's, it's a reality. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't listened to the world's music uh, since the 90s, okay? And, uh, you know, and you go to the, and you hear the, um, actually, my, my parents used to be a big fan of the 50s music, 50s and 60s music. And, uh, you know, and, and so even here, I'll be in the shopping center, and uh, they'll play one of the old classics and, you know, the classic songs, and immediately, my mind goes back to when I'm in the vehicle, driving with my parents, listening to that music. I remember exactly where, where it was I first heard those songs. Your mind is amazing. It really is. And uh, so you have to be careful what you put in it. Now, God has given us a new mind. Um, but it's, we have to, we have to, to, to attain that. So if you look here, um, the things that are contained in our minds has scarred it and has corrupted our thinking. Um, that's why you have to be careful who instructs you, who teaches you, things like that, who you listen to, uh, because they could be completely wrong in doctrine and you know completely off in what they're teaching from the Scriptures. You have to be careful. Um, but when we get saved... Now begins a process of trying to remove some of that out of our mind. And the only way that you can do that is by the Word of God. Romans 12.2, and, and uh, Graham preached an excellent message last week about it. And he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, you want to get a new mind? Start reading the Scriptures, start searching the Scriptures, God will start to scrub that junk out of your mind. And, uh, and honestly, as, as uh, Brother Kevin preached last Sunday night, man, if you get some thoughts in your mind and they, don't, and they won't go away, start praying about it. Say, God, 
would you just cleanse my mind of this thing? You know, plead the blood. Ask God to wash it just to get rid of it out of your mind. Um, because again, as I said, what you think about, you'll do. What you think about is what you'll eventually do. Um, see, to the world today, nothing is pure anymore. And it will, then that will affect your mind if you do not guard your mind. Uh, look, turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. It's the book right, a couple books right before Hebrews. To the right. Just after Timothy. Or 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Titus, or, uh, Paul is writing here to Titus. It says, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Uh, that's why if you, if, if you haven't noticed today, movies are constantly pushing the envelope and they're getting more vulgar. They're getting more bloody. They're getting more gory, and they're getting more sexual than they ever have been, and uh, and they're constantly trying to push and push and push and push, uh, because in their mind there's nothing pure, and their conscience is defiled. They don't care as long as they make money. They don't care what, um, and they all have an agenda. There's always an agenda behind them. So you have to guide to to guard your mind. From the things of this world, because it's, the world is always trying to, to pollute it and to defile your conscience. Now, the mind that God gives us now is a mind that is at peace. When you trust upon God to take care of you, it takes away the worry that we are used to having. Now, before I got saved, I used to worry about everything. Everything I used to worry about. And, um, and I fretted and was and and I because I was I was you know I always thought I had to have everything under control, and um, when I got saved, that was a challenge for me because now I had to give it all to God, because I mean there's nothing I could do about the situation anyway, and so now I had to learn and say okay I can't do nothing here, God I'm now leaving it and I'm entrusting it in you, and that's where we have to sometimes just and and that's what we have to do. Uh, because you and I, we can't control every situation that comes in our life. As much as we try to, as much as we try to put up our, our borders and our boundaries and things like that, a storm's going to come in and it's going to sometimes crash those down and, and we're going to be left with a situation and we can't, we don't know how to handle it. And the only way that we can handle it is by going to God and trusting in Him. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah 26. Isaiah chapter 26. This is a great verse that, and a great promise that God gives us. Isaiah 26 3. It's a good verse to highlight in your Bible. Good verse to memorize as well. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Um, I want to know why some people seem to be just calm about a situation no matter what happens. It's because they're trusting God. They, they know that, you know what, they could try to worry about it. They could try and... and and control the situation themselves, but it's best to just give it to God. And say, God, you know what I'm going through here. I'm giving you full reign. Help me to trust whatever you allow to happen. And that's hard when we give that control to God. Because you and I, we like to control everything. It, it's, it's just in our nature. It really is. We like to have and make sure everything runs according to as we plan it. Um, you know, that's why we that's why we watch the weather and all that kind of stuff. You know, we look at the weather and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. 
And how often are they accurate? <laughs> Not very, you know, uh, because we want to try to control the weather. You know, we want to control the weather so we know what we can do and what we can't do in, with our day-to-day life. And, uh, and I think the weather was created just to prove us that we can't control everything in our life. Um, you know, as much as we try to control it, it can't be controlled. Um, so when you go through that situation in your life, if you're going through a, a, a hard time, a trial, give it to God. Trust in Him. Leave it to Him. And continue to follow Him. You know, let Him guide you. Let Him take the reins. Turn also to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 7. Paul writes here to Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you begin to trust in God and allow God to take care of your situations, um, it gives you a sound mind. You know, the perfect illustration of this is the Gadarene demoniac. Um, he was he He was demon-possessed. He was literally out of his mind. And um, when Jesus cast out the demons out of him, um, the village, you know, the shepherds that were over the, the, the swine, they ran back to the village. And because uh, they were in terror of what just happened, you know, all their pigs just went off the cliff. And so they went to, to the village and brought, you know, told the men to come out and see what, what's going on. And guess where they found the demoniac at? The Bible says that he was seated at the feet of Jesus. He was fully clothed and he was in his right mind. And these people were in such shock at the change that this man had. Because until this point, this man was naked. Nobody could control him. Uh, I mean, they, they tried to, to bind him with chains try to bind him with fetters and he would just break them and um, and he had supernatural strength it really was because of these demons and uh, and so when they saw him they knew something miraculous had just happened and rather than have Jesus there and to, to help them in whatever trials that they they were going through they were so afraid of what the change had happened they told Jesus, please depart out of here. Leave. We don't want you around here. We're afraid of what you could do. See, God wants to give you a sound mind. He wants to take that fear out of your heart. He wants to take that fear that controls your life. And He wants you to just trust Him. You know, and that's exactly what that demoniac did. He trusted that Jesus was the only one that could help him. And Jesus did. And um, God wants to help you, but you have to give it to Him. The Bible also says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. You know, the times that you're afraid, that's when you need to go to God. Say, God, I can't handle the situation. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. That's when you have to go to the Lord and say, God, I'm just going to trust in You. I'm going to rely upon You. You're the only one who can take care of the situation. And rest in Him. Because the rest that He will give you is better than your own worry. How often do you keep yourself up at night worrying about everything? Worrying about situations that you can't change anyway. You have no power over. No, no, no influence over so instead of worrying about those things, give it to God, and God will give you that soundness of mind. He'll give you that rest. Lastly, this morning, look at God gives you a new destination. See, before salvation, we all had the same destination at the end of our life. And that was on a path to hell. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 3. 
The book of John, chapter 3, verse 18. John 3.18 Because of our unbelief, we were already condemned. This verse 18 says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So you and I, uh, before we were saved, we were already condemned. Our, our future was already one path. There was no change whatsoever. And the only way to change it was by trusting Christ as our Savior. Uh, we were all condemned because we did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look at uh, Romans chapter 5. We would. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, let's talk about Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So just as sin came in and was passed, and was passed upon men because of the transgression of Adam, because of the righteousness of Christ, and what He did for us on the cross, He is now offering it as a free gift of salvation upon all men. I like that, all men. Not some men, not to just the Jews, but to all men. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. Um, so because of Adam's sin, we were all already destined to go to hell. But once we trusted Christ as our Savior... That destination changed forever. And I'm thankful that there's no way to turn back. There's no way of turning back. There's no way that we're gonna we can we're on our way to heaven and all suddenly we take a U-turn and and are back on the path to hell. Once we got on the, on the that new path, there's no turning back. Turn with me to John chapter five, verse twenty four. John chapter five, verse twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And this is something that happens the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's part of that new creature that you are. You now have a new destination. It's no longer on the path to hell. It is now a uh, path to uh, to the Lord with heaven. And, um, and I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I'm, I'm glad that God doesn't change His mind because He says, uh, and believeth on Him that has sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. It means there's no way that can come into condemnation. That condemnation, that, that judgment has already been passed. It's no longer there for a Christian. Now, Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come when Jesus Himself comes back as the conquering King. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. See, this world will be judged in the future. When that time is, nobody knows. The only one who knows is God the Father. When that time comes, though, it's going to be like a thief in the night. But we need to be prepared. We have First Thessalonians chapter one, verse number eight. 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that, we not, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So here, let's also go to First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. Verse number nine. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So here he's writing, unto, he's writing these Scriptures to the Thessalonians saying, look, you know what? We're not going to suffer the wrath of God. God's wrath is for, is for an unbelieving world. And uh, we as a born-again Christian, we as someone who has put our faith in Jesus Christ alone, will never have to go through that wrath. And he says, comfort ye one another. That's good news. That's encouraging news. And uh, that's something that we can be thankful for. And edify one another. You know, strengthen each other. Help each other to, to walk the, the, the narrow walk and, and, to, and to walk a, uh, with God and things like that. Look also to Romans chapter 5 again. Romans chapter 5. Go back to Romans chapter 5. Look at verse number 8. This is one of my favorite verses. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And that should give us something to rejoice about. That no matter how bad our life may seem in our eyes down here, the trials that we go through, we will never have to experience the wrath of God. I mean, this is the worst we'll ever have it. Um, we have a future that is full of promise. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day when I get to see heaven for myself. You know, And uh, it should be something that, we, that, that, that rejoices our heart because, you know what? Uh, we're not on the path to hell and that we have something to be thankful for that Jesus Christ hath redeemed us by His blood. And uh, so in conclusion this, this morning, the new things that we learn about this morning are conditional. These are only promised to those who become born-again Christians. Secondly, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that therefore if any man, showing that it is a choice that each person has to make. This new creature is instant from the moment that you trust Christ. Now you may look the same on the outside, but God now forever sees you as a new creature. Can I ask you, has there been a change in your life since you decided to trust Christ as your Savior? Or were you only going by emotion? There should be a difference in you than the way you were without Christ. There should be something different. There should be something that that uh, um, reveals that you are no longer the same. That God has given you that new heart. God has given you that you're now a new creature. God gives us a new heart. Has your heart changed towards the things of God? How are your desires? Are they for the world or for the things of God? Be careful of the things that you listen to and things that you watch. You may think it's harmless, but your mind stores everything. 
both good and bad. And the devil will use that to mess with your mind and your heart. Is your mind at peace this morning? Or are you worried about everything that is happening in your life? See, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of peace. If you're having those worries, give your fears and your worries to God. He's the, the, he's the only one who can do something about them anyway. And lastly this morning, have you made the decision to get saved? And have you changed your final destination in your life? If you're not saved, you're on a one-way trip to hell. But it's not too late to change your destination. Can I ask you this morning, don't let your pride keep you from making the best decision that you will ever make. Trust Christ alone as your Savior today. If you have any doubts, if you're not sure, come to Dan. Come to myself. Um, God has given us His Word that we can have that assurance. And um, I just challenge you this morning, don't let your pride get in the way. Because our pride, that's what kept me from getting saved earlier than what I did. Because I was afraid of what people would think or people what, what people would would say. And uh, when I got saved, when I finally you know, surrendered um, my will, I guess you could say, and humbled my pride and trusted Christ as my Savior, people were rejoicing for me. They weren't, you know, they weren't laughing. They weren't, you know, um, putting me down. They were actually very thankful and excited that I made that decision. And um, so don't let your pride keep you from getting saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be done this morning. Father, we do thank You so much again. Lord, that You have made us a new creature. I'm glad that that um, all old things are passed away. Lord, that from this day, the, the day that I, that I trusted Christ, the day that, um, Lord, that I put my faith in You, uh, You no longer looked at my old sins and used them to to judge me, to um, to bring me down, to accuse me. But Lord, those old things were passed away. They're gone. And uh, you decide, and you choose not to remember my old sin before I was saved. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. And I do pray, Lord, that uh, Lord that you would just bless this morning's message. God, I pray that it would help someone this morning. Just help us to, to, to see ourselves as that new creation. And uh, Lord, there should be something different about us from when before we trusted You as our Savior. And Father, I do thank You again for Your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, I think 243.